Welcome to Two Girls in a Grape, where we attempt to learn about wine one bottle at a time. I'm Drea, and bubbles are always a good idea. And I'm Jules, and popping corks is one of my favorite sounds. It really is all one year of the most round. Beautiful Not just sounds right now. ever. It's like music. It's like wee. <laughs> it's just a sound of celebration and happiness. Happiness for sure. So, in case you haven't guessed, this episode we're honoring a New Year's tradition and toasting bubbles from around the world. We'll look at sparkling wines from across the globe and offer up some of our favorite picks to ring in the new year. But before we get into that, let's start with our reoccurring segment, Cheers and Jeers. Jules, what are you cheersing and jeersing to ring in 2024? As I sit here in my red sequin pantalones. You are festive as fuck. I am cheersing to sparkly things everywhere. You sparkle. I mean, tinsel. Thanks. Christmas lights. Twinkly sequins, lights. Sequins. All the things. Glitter. All the shiny things. Shiny disco balls. All that stuff. I like it. Yeah. And what are you jeersing? I'm jeersing to holiday hospital visits. Rob ended up in the hospital this week, so that was super fun. Was he not twinkling? He was he was twinkling out of something. <laughs> wow. That was aggressive. Okay. Well, um, so... Uh, hot Rob, I hope you're on the bed. Yeah. <laughs> sparkle, sparkle. I, I always feel like just getting sick around the holidays. It sucks. Like all of that and stuff. And everyone's There's fucking just, sick right now. And everyone's stressed out and everyone's trying to get so much done by the end of the year. And it just like compounds. It is. Yeah. It's, that's a big jeers. It's big rough. thumbs down from me. It's rough out there right now. <sighs> it's hard out there for a Grinch. Oh, oh, nice. I like that. <laughs> what are you cheersing to? Uh, well, along those lines, um, this is a grim cheers, y'all, so get ready. I am cheersing to 2023 being fucking over. <laughs> I have had it. It's been a wild one. I nothing's really gone my way and I am just glad it's fucking over. <laughs> like I just goodbye. Get out. Adios. Yes. Don't look back. Hasta luego. <laughs> Don't let the door hit you in the ass on the Don't way out. Don't look back in anger. <laughs> That's, that was a really positive cheers yeah, to kick off our bubbles, yeah. our festive bubbles you episode. You know, I am nothing if not bubbly all the time. She's nothing if not a big fucking sparkler. <laughs> so festive. I mean, I'm really afraid to ask about your jersey. <laughs> I mean, not, is that a cheers and a jeers in one? No, I'm not really sure. I have a separate cheers. <laughs> All right, lay it on us. Since this is our New Year's Eve episode, um, I am jeersing to staying up until midnight. Absolutely not. I do not do it. I watch the, we're on the West Coast. I watch the East Coast ball drop if I have to watch it at all. I am promptly in bed by nine o'clock. I am done. <laughs> She literally can't wait for the year to be over. I, cannot, I just want my dog and my pillow and I'm done. <laughs> and, and I'm like this every year too. I do a Bubbles Around the World event and um, like everyone needs to be the fuck out of my house and out of my face by 8 p.m. I got to do my face routine. Wow. I got to get my pajamas on. <laughs> Note to self, do not ever take an invitation from Drea for New Year's Eve at her house. <laughs> No, it's just the new. It's just the East Coast ball drop. Listen, we do East Coast New Year's too because we don't know if we're gonna make it to midnight. Because we used to camp all the time for mm. New Year's Eve, and staying up till midnight when you're camping is hard work. Like yeah, that's you are, hard. 
Because, like, you get up and you're already, like, doing stuff in the campsite. Right, yeah. You make a breakfast, and then by the time you know it, it's time to, like, start the fire for the afternoon, and then we cook dinner over the fire, and then you're basically drinking all day. So, like, who's staying up till midnight? But we've made it happen a few times. So we'll celebrate New Year's twice. Yeah, see, I know I'm not going to make it. Yeah. So I just, I mean, listen, we're all very fortunate that I'm not doing the Barcelona ball drop. Oh. <laughs> you might, though. I very well could. I mean... Still got a week to go. <laughs> we'll see how it we'll see how it all shakes out. Well, everyone, I hope that your cheers and jeers was maybe a little more uplifting. Than Happy 2024! <laughs> Happy New Year, everyone. Welcome to your festive segment of Shawinigans. For today's episode, we are focusing on New Year's traditions from around the world. And these and are get, all positive, so we're really trying to bring it back up. And get ready. <laughs> Some of them are really fucking weird. So to accompany our tour of bubbles from around the world, we thought we would feature some of our favorite New Year's traditions and offer up a few of our own best practices, which we're not actually going to do because we both just talked about the fact that we don't really have any... Listen, I already gave you mine, and that's to go to bed Something at 9 p.m. Something specific. So we're leaving it in as potentially we might talk about it as part of this segment, but probably not, because I don't think we really have anything. I have one thing that I do that's traditional. Oh, now you see you were holding out on me. Well, my family, we always sing Old Lang Zang. That's very Scottish. It is, I mean, it is. That is. I mean, okay, so if we're going on that, like, we usually... So it's not, a, it's not like a food or a clothing or whatever tradition but it's like that it is a very scottish thing that is very, i mean we typically like new year's eve new year's day there are usually tamales present there you go yeah i mean because so, you know we're mexican so yeah. there's that and yeah. but i actually have done my bubbles around the world thing for about five years now so, so that's guess, a tradition that's so we tra- lied we did lie. we lied wow well good thing i kept that in the in the little intro to the show you just forgot to take it out <laughs> i did forget to take it out but then i also i'm like we will fucking come up with something which we just did so anyway all right so dre is gonna kick us off with what weird shit do they do in spain i mean where do i start <laughs> what you get to pick one thing okay so i mean so as you all know i me and canta españa right but um me and canta not me and canta Oh, fuck She went me. Spanglish. Jesus. Wow. Me in Canta. You know what? <laughs> God. I just can't catch... I told you I couldn't catch a break in twenty. The language police here. You guys know me. You know. I can't help myself. Okay, so the tradition from Spain for New Year's Eve is to eat 12 grapes at midnight. And it's believed that if you eat one grape in time with each chime of the clock at midnight, then you will be rewarded with luck and happiness throughout the coming year. Maybe you should do this shit. Maybe I should. Maybe you should. Maybe we should do all of this. Oh my, we should. We should try to do it. We should do it. Okay. Okay, it's happening. Especially like number three. I may stay up past 9 p.m. We'll see. To do some of this. Maybe. Okay. Um, The tradition originated back in 1909 when there was a huge grape harvest in the country during 
um, the season, and the king chose to give the surplus of produce to the people to consume on New Year's Eve. So it's actually rooted in some history, which I think is kind of fun. But yeah, um, you know what? I'll do it. Like 12 grapes. I like grapes. I, like I mean, you're Spain. probably going to have a charcuterie board going anyway. I'm going to so. have a fuck ton of charcuterie going for this event. Yeah. You could just set an alarm. Get up at midnight, stop to 12 grapes, <laughs> oh, oh, and go back to that. <laughs> grape juice everywhere. Grape juice all but over also, Adobe. midnight in Spain. Yeah, I'm so here for it. So you could do midnight in Spain. Perfect. Done. You could do that. I'm going to do it. We're going to do workarounds. All and right. then we're going to fuck it up. Like, it, this stuff isn't going to work because we're not doing it right. I mean, no, it's going to work. It's got to work. All right. Next, <laughs> we're going to travel to Colombia, where they have a tradition of carrying empty suitcases. I think I can get behind this one. So they do this in a hope in the hope for a year filled with travel and adventure, and it's a tradition for Colombian residents to walk around the block on New Year's Eve with an empty suitcase. I'm down. I'll do it. Let's do it. Do I have to carry it or can I roll it though? How bad? Semantics? How badly do you want I'll to travel? I'll carry it. I'll carry it. <laughs> I will carry it. It's fully, empty, so who fully cares? Packed. I don't care. I will carry it. Fully packed, full of twelve grapes. It's empty because. It, we're saving room for all that abundance of travel adventure to come. Okay, I like that. Where to next? All right, so next we're going to Denmark. I like this one. And I am actually very into this one. Um, I might go to, like, Goodwill. Goodwill. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so in Denmark, they have a New Year's tradition of smashing plates. It is customary for, use that this morning, for residents <laughs> to celebrate the New Year by throwing old plates and glasses against doors of their family and friends' homes to banish bad spirits. Okay, so can I come and throw a plate at your door and you can throw a plate yep, at my 100%. door? Yep, 100%. We should just go random in the neighborhood. And just like <laughs> be like, shit. it's a custom. You're, I'm not vandalizing. You're like, I'm warding you of evil I'm spirits. I'm just trying to be a good neighbor. And then I can be in the background like, spirits. Christine and Idlewild. Spirits. <laughs> <laughs> All right, where are we going next? All right, we are going to stay in Central and South America. Um, well, because I did Colombia. Obviously, Denmark is not in Central South America. And if you think that it is, then we might need a geography lesson. Uh, we're going to Panama. So in Panama, they have a tradition of burning effigies. Um, so This sounds very intense. Well, burning stuff, breaking stuff, I'm into it. So it's a tradition for the people of Panama to drive off evil spirits by burning effigies, otherwise known as muñecos, a well-known people such as TV characters and political figures in Panama. Kind of sounds like a, a voodoo doll. I mean, line them up. I got a lot of people I want to light on fire. Let's do this. <laughs> so the muñecos, or the effigies, are meant to represent the old year, therefore allowing people to start with a fresh New Year's perspective. Cool. I don't really understand the whole, like, making it a well-known person because who gives a fuck like oh there are a few politicians i can get the pinata oh i mean yes yeah yes <laughs> i think i we can we can make that one happen oh for sure okay all right next, next. up on the list is where coming, are we off to we are off to south africa where they have a tradition of throwing out the old literally as tradition for residents old husbands <laughs> Old clothing. Old shoes. Um, especially for residents in Johannesburg, where this tradition started, to party hard by oh, like throwing it. out old appliances, equipment, and wares 
out of their windows, literally representing the old adage of out with the old and in with the new. I love how aggressive this one is. I don't, I don't know that we're going to be able to do this one. I mean, we're both living single story houses. We can throw shit out of the window. It's fine. But I'm trying to think what we already got rid of our Vitamix. It wasn't working. That would have been a really good one to throw out the window. Oh, an appliance? You yeah. just said you were going to throw out a hot rob. He's not an appliance. He does wash dishes. He's a dishwasher. Done. Okay, true. Okay. <laughs> Told you we'd make it work. All right. Now we're off to the Philippines, where on New Year's Eve, you'll find a variety of round shapes all over the Philippines, representing coins, as they are said to symbolize prosperity in the coming year. So we can probably get some round things in our pockets. and Maybe wear some polka stuff. dots. You know what? Bubbles are <gasps> fucking round. I have a shirt from Make Good that's black sequins with white. Oh! White sequin polka dots. That is a really cute shirt. Wearing that. Okay. Okay, I'm incorporating that into my New Year's Eve outfit. I have to think this through. All right. Next. Next, we are off to Greece, where... I love Greece. That's on my list. I do love my Greece. List. Oh, it's got to go. The food. The food. Also, the wine. We should I do... mean, I've been to Greece, but I was very young. I mean, I want to go back as an just adult. A, just a wee baby jewels. Like, yeah. Uh, just a way in a manger? Under 10 years old jewels. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, you need to go back as, yes. an, as a responsible adult. I mean, so... okay, so that's going to be a few more years. <laughs> So in Greece, there is a New Year's tradition of hanging onions. Um, it's traditional to hang an onion on the front door of your home on New Year's Eve as a symbol of rebirth in the new year. I can get behind that. Yeah, I got I'll an hang onion. a fucking bag of onions on yeah, my front door. Fuck ton of onions. People are literally gonna be like, "What is going on at Joel's and Rob's house? They're breaking <laughs> plates against the door. There'll be onions, onions swinging, hanging from the door. Rob just got tossed from a window. There's appliances <laughs> being thrown out the window." <laughs> Should I call the police? Do they need an intervention? Should I request a wellness check? Oh my gosh. Okay, our final oh country, saving the best for last, Brazil, where I'm actually not aware of this tradition, having grown up there, but there is apparently a tradition of wearing special underwear. I'm going to have to check with my family on this one. You didn't have special underwear in Brazil? I thought special underwear was for the Mormons. Listen, it's not just for Mormons anymore. I guess not. Brazilians and Mormons. Don't Who you knew? Have, don't you have special underwear? I don't. No, that's a lie. Every woman has a pair of underwear that's like, this is my special underwear. No. Yes. I In my 20s, I did. But not anymore. <laughs> I dress for comfort. <laughs> anyway, in Brazil, <laughs> as well as other Central South American countries like Ecuador, Bolivia, and Venezuela... It's thought to be lucky to wear a special underwear on New Year's Eve. The most popular color to wear is red, as it's thought to bring love in the new year, while wearing yellow is believed to bring people mula, dinero, money, cha-cha, pesos. There's something about yellow underwear that's very off-putting to me. I would wear, yeah, I'm, I might wear yellow underwear, because I am, I am into maybe getting some more money. So the silver fox... In my pantalones next year. Has... A pair of red underwear. I don't is, have yellow underwear. Is, I'm going to have to buy a pair of yellow underwear. I, I feel like we can make this happen, too. Like Baby Target? I think we're going to have to go to the... I don't feel like yellow is a popular underwear color. Because no, it wouldn't be something I'd be attracted to. It's like yellow snow. It's urine. Yeah. It's like urine color. It's like you peed yourself. Okay, well... <sighs> put on my to-do list, find yellow underwear between mm. now and this time next week. 
Man, we are going to be all decked out with this stuff. Some Just some polka dots. Maybe we can find be yellow underwear with polka dots. We're going to be burning pinatas. <laughs> We're going to be eating grapes. We're going to be carrying around empty suitcases. Full onions. Smashing plates. Throwing people out of windows. It's going to be the best New Year's ever. ever. I do kind of want to stay up till midnight now. <laughs> oh, the year has been saved. <laughs> So if you decide to try any of these fun uh, New Year's Eve traditions, let us know on our Instagram. Or if you have one of your own that we you don't think care. we should try out. No, wow. we don't care. The, wow. I'm, just, I'm literally just going to tell you right now. I don't care. I'm interested, listener. Drea is interested, so you can direct message I'm her. the nice one. <laughs> <laughs> we all know that's fucking bullshit. <laughs> Listen, I didn't say it was oh, the, oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, that was one of the intentions that she's setting for next year is to be the nice one. Oh, I'm absolutely not setting that intention. <laughs> like, 100% no. Absolutely not. She's about to cut people left and right. It's fine. New Cheers! Year, new year, same old shit. For this episode's featured wine, we're actually talking about popular sparklers from around the globe. So we're taking our cue from Drea's celebration of New Year's Eve, where she pops a bottle from different places around the world. And our recent Bubbles 101 episode. Yes. Um, so wherever you're bringing in the new year, here are some suggestions for an extra special toast to 2024. So we're going to start with California. Um, where we are. Where we are, in case you didn't know. <laughs> By the way, we talk. Wow. Like, for sure. Okay, Paris. I should do this part in, like, a total California oh Valley Girl accent. The only people who do shit like this are from the Midwest. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> That is an actual way that people talk in California. That is not how yes. people talk in California. Okay, this is we are going off the rails. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it back to the sparkling wines. Okay, California has been a longtime producer of sparkling wines. Corbell Cellars, specifically, um, which is located in coastal Sonoma, has produced a wide range of sparklers since the late 1800s. I mean, that's pretty old for California. However, that shit's gross. Well, Corbell? I mean, I'm not going to fucking drink it, obviously, but sorry, don't know me to offend. There are a lot better sparkling wines out there, but the fact that we California has been producing sparkling wines that long, I think is fascinating. Yes. But if you're looking for a California sparkler, something like a Schramsberg would be a very good option. Also yeah. up in Napa, Sonoma area. Anywho, ha, outside of California, you can also find sparkling wine from Oregon, New York, and Washington which all have risen in popularity and reputation recently. I actually had a really great um, sparkling wine from the Finger Lakes area the last time I was in New York. It was delicious. And New Mexico has a good oh, sparkling. Oh, yeah. yeah. Gret, Gret, Gret. Gret would be French. So I guess, but they're in New Mexico, so but we're going with Gret. 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 Anywho. I next up. Gret. Next up is France. Drea, tell us about France. So, obviously, France is known for champagne, right? Um, we thought we'd profile a sparkler that was a little bit different to give you a bit more variety. If you want to talk champagne, see our Vouvet episode that we did this season. Our Vouvet? Vouvet. 
<laughs> our boobay episode? Our Volvo episode. It's fucking fine. Volvo. The Volvo, Volvo, Volvo episode. episode. Oh, wait, that's Swedish, right? Are they? Isn't Volvo Swedish? Are they German? Fuck, I, I don't, don't know. know. It we doesn't matter. So We haven't even had that much to drink. We're just so happy to be here. So <laughs> so we've, we've done a champagne. And, I mean, listen, champagne is the classic sparkler to ring in the new year right but it's also really fucking expensive Volvo is swedish i just looked it up thank you i'm so glad you did that so i like champagne is (laughs) we know so champagne is obviously the classic it can be expensive and depending on you know what company you're keeping or how you're entertaining you may want a different option so may we suggest a cremant from france um, it's the name adopted by many French wine regions to describe wines made in the exact same way as champagne, right? So from our Bubbles 101, uh, champagne method means that there goes through two fermentations, one in the bottle, um, and it can be found everywhere wine is made in France. So it the only thing a Cremant denotes is that it doesn't come exactly from the champagne region which as we've discussed is protected by law in france cremants usually uh sell for anywhere between 15 and 35 dollars so about half the price of most champagnes um in style they tend to be almost all brute or dry but in flavor the variety is enormous so you can have some that are super mineral and citrus forward you can have some that have those classic champagne notes of like brioche and toasted nuts and things like that so huge variety lots of price points highly recommend uh one of these from you know a different region outside of champagne i do love cremant i do and i do think that typically champagne is just overpriced because it's called champagne and it's i mean there are some fucking good ones there are some good ones but i do find that a cremant is something that you'll pretty much is like can be ubiquitously enjoyed by a lot of people. Right. And the thing, too, is, like, if you want to do your own bubbles around the world kind of tour for New Year's, you're going to be putting out some money for some sparkling wine. Mm-hmm. So go for one where you can get it. I just, yeah. I actually just did some sourcing for my event. And the quant I got um, at a local wine shop here in San Diego called Close. Shout out to Jerry and Paul. You guys are awesome. Was I think like twenty four bucks and it their prices are really good, delightful. Yeah. So I'm very excited to open this one up. All right, what's our next stop on our bubbles around the world tour? Keeping it close to France, staying in Europe with Italy, where you're gonna find Classic. two different kind of sparkler options: Prosecco and Lambrusco, which we have featured both on the podcast in previous episodes. Lambrusco is one of my personal favorites. Have we done a Prosecco? I think so. I don't think so. Maybe you not. Hate them. I don't hate prosecco i'm i am particular about prosecco because i do find it to be sweet and i don't love that everyone should see my face right now oh you know what we so we adjacently did prosecco with our spritz episode yes but we like I, done... I like it in a spritz but i like i need to find like the proseccos that are more dry okay rather than the sweet ones challenge so. accepted challenge accepted so once reserved to a few select areas of nor- northern italy um a quality sparkling wine can pretty much be found anywhere in the country. And the production of that is booming. Prosecco is the crisp and informal sparkler that surged in popularity worldwide, I think I think especially here because of the spritz, um, is made in the Veneto region from the native grape called Galera. 
and is made using the tank method, which we discussed in our last episode of just how um, bubbles are made. Uh, in addition, the food-friendly Lambrusco, which is always going to be a red, a chilled red sparkling wine, Love it. is an excellent alternative for an unexpected festive touch and also just really good for this time of year where you're having these like bigger meals and stuff, like the more like holiday meals. I think Lambrusco goes really well because it's has a little bit more oomph than a like a white or a rosé sparkling, but it's not as heavy as like a traditional like red wine. And it's, it's a great pairing with, like, a charcuterie board, too, mm-hmm. you know, because it's going to pick up on all the hints and all those delicious salty meaty things. We love a Lambrusco. We love a salty meat. We do. What's next? Uh, just me corazón. Oh, God. Yep. So, Spain. we are going to Spain. España. obviously, that means cava, which has been a mainstay here on Two Girls and a Grape. Um, so cava is made in the classic champagne style, and it's an excellent and affordable choice when it comes to sparkling wines. It's gotten a little bit of a bad rap over the years, I think because it is so affordable, but there are some really amazing It gets put out in the there. Prosecco category, I think, a little yeah. bit. Yeah, like you know, and a lot of like, places sweet. use it to make like mimosas and stuff, like think bottomless mimosa, yeah. but no. You, like, once you get to know cavas and their range like you will never go back also um, just remember that all of these they're going to have their version of like the corbel or the osti oh, spumante sure. like whatever yeah. that crappy osti spumante the like four dollar is the andre Fucking andre <laughs> i would literally rather not drink alcohol yep. ever again if that was the only option <laughs> so um if you have a taste though for high quality bubbly which we both do um Cava can be an excellent choice, still at a really great price point. So it's typically made with three indigenous grapes from um, the Penedes region, which is outside of Barcelona, Chirello, Paralada, and Macabeo. But new, I mean, growers are now experimenting with more classic French varietals like Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, um, but also another local uh, grape called Tripot, which happens to be one of my favorites. Um, in addition, more and more producers are making cava from long-forgotten ancestral varietals that are indigenous to the Penedes area. So I was actually just out there um, a couple weeks ago. I took some time on a recent trip to Barcelona, spent in wine country, and there is a whole project sponsored by the Familia Torres uh, Wine Enterprise out there. To it's, So it's a viticultural project in um, conjunction with the University of Barcelona to resurrect ancestral vines from the pre-phylloxera era. And there are 50 that they've identified and they've managed to graft six that they are now making wines from. So it's pretty cool. I mean, it'll it'll be interesting to see where Cava goes from, you know, this interesting kind of step in science. But Cava tends to be fresher in aromas and lighter bodied than champagne, but you can still get really nice aged ones um, that will again have that like deep gold color and notes of brioche. Uh, These largely come from the northeast area of Spain in the province of Catalonia, again, right outside Barcelona. And I just, it's my go-to. Cava is my go-to bubbles. It's kind of my go-to, like, bottle, to be quite honest. Just anything Spain is her go-to. I mean, pretty much, yeah. I'm also a little crabby because I'm back, so there's that. All right, so where are we going next? We're going to Germany and Austria, both of which I've actually visited before. I have been to both Germany and Austria. 
Did you drink a lot there? Beer. Because mm. I was, it was right after college. It was that summer right after college. Uh, so like okay. wine wasn't, I was not drinking wine. I wasn't drinking you sect were, either. You were. No. So, <laughs> so sect is the, their version of a sparkling wine. It's often floral and fruity on the nose. And it's a traditional method that German and, um, Austrian producers use that's remarkably complex in its flavor flavor profiles as it has bristling acidity and a delicate mouthfeel. Bristling acidity, I like that. It's made from an array of grapes such as Riesling, Pinot Blanc, and Pinot Noir and offers really a unique alternative to champagne um, frequently at a lower price, which really I think that's kind of the name of the game of this episode is that most of the things that we're talking about are going to be better priced than a traditional French champagne. Right. Also, like, I mean, Germany and Austria, too, are great places for all three of those cool climate grapes. Like, they're growing some of the best of those in the world. So I don't why know that not? I've ever had a sect. I feel like, is it usually sweet? No, it's delicious. Okay. So you about to, to look, girl, next to week. Get it. ready. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in addition to the acidity bestowed onto the base wine by the cool nights of the continental climate, the long growing season gives it um, an, a stunningly sun, with stunningly sunny autumns gives the sect rich fruit flavors. The best sparklers are an ideal combination of the two, and they're enriched by rounded yeast texture and flavor confirmed by traditional bottle fermentation. Yeah, so champagne method. Uh, again, I, I've i actually, so the first time I had this, uh, one of these was like two years ago, and I really, it was a crowd pleaser, so okay, get well. excited. All right, so next we are heading to- Oh, so I'm coming over to your house during the sect version the sect part of New Year's Eve. I mean, you can come during other parts. I'll come for that part. Wow. Aggressive. Okay. Where are you going? Here. There's going to be meat. There's going to be salty. Oh, well, in that case. There's going to be salty meat. In that case, sure. <laughs> We're can hopping from between Dre's house to my house on New Year's Eve. Can I move on to Australia and yes. New Zealand now? Okay, <laughs> Let's go on vacation. Okay, so uh, let's talk about sparklers from Australia. I have not been to Australia or New Zealand. Neither have I, and they're, they're high both on, my on my list. list. Yeah. Uh, the land down under might not be the first place that comes to your mind when you think of bubbly, but both Australia and New Zealand offer a range of often wallet-friendly and delicious sparklers. Um, in fact, in Australia, sparkling wine is the fastest growing export wine category, which I think is really interesting. Um, traditional, they again use the traditional champagne method and ten, these wines tend to come from the country's coolest corners, which would be South Australia's Adelaide Hills and Victoria's Yarra Valley. Um, I think that yeah, as I was doing research for the episode, one of the things that struck me as being most unique from this part of the world is that they do a sparkling straws. Um, and so it tends to be tannic, off dry, red bubbly, that is uniquely Australian. And I don't think I've ever had one of those. I mean, I don't think I've had a red sparkling outside the Lambrusco, to be honest. So um, that's definitely on my list for 2024 for something to look for. 
the other thing uh, that's coming out that's very popular in Australia and New Zealand these days are pet gnats. So we talked about those during our Bubbles one-on-one episode. Again, um, kind of the ancestral method of making bubbly. These aren't going to have the you know tight bubbles of a traditional champagne or even tank method but they are going to have that effervescence and that slight fizziness um, and you'll find them with the crown cap so pet nets have become wildly popular in both australia and new zealand with both producers and consumers alike and i've actually had some really good pet nets from new zealand in the past i don't um, know if i've had one from there chloe ha- carries a couple mm. okay next time i go in maybe on my birthday <laughs> All right, and next we're taking it to Jules's corner of the world. Ah, Brazil. Um, so this is actually very surprising to me because I didn't realize that Brazil produced any kind of sparkling wine. Uh, but apparently, um, there are sparkling wines that are coming out of South America and specifically Brazil, but they're generally domestic products um, that locals use to celebrate special occasions. So. I'm going to be curious to see if we could potentially get our hands on something. Oh, we're going to get our hands on something. Maybe we're just going to have to fly down to Brazil and do it. I mean, It's oh, not that long of a flight. I'm just looking over here. It says Total Wines and More. Oh, okay. All right. Brazil is the leading sparkling wine producer in South America. And the sparklers coming out of Brazil are based mostly on Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, although there's also plenty of sparkling Moscato, which makes me throw up in my mouth. Well, you know, so... The Moscato, the Moscato, I'm like, nah. I've had bad experiences with those, so I feel like I need to start rejiggering my brain for good producers. But the best examples of the Brazilian sparklers are crisp, with overriding freshness and bright flavors of citrus, which makes sense for the region. Yeah, definitely. Where are we off to next? And last, but certainly not least, South Africa. Also hugely on my bucket list for wine drinking. My Um, uncle lives there. Ooh, shall we go visit? Listen, y'all, I have family. There's Fergusons all over the fucking world. Wow, the Scots are prolific. (laughs) We are everywhere. My uncle Alistair. Let's, hey, Uncle Alistair, let's go hang. Alistair is a little crazy. He's my dad, Gordon's, and Gordon is the best. He's my dad's older brother. He's I mean, the oldest. Listen, I'm a little crazy, so I'm down to clown. Alistair is, uh, he's a fucking character. I'm into it. I'm into it. Alistair, we're coming for you. All right. He would love it if we came to visit. <laughs> he really would. So South Africa actually produces a, not only a ton of wine, but a large variety of sparkling wines from bottle-fermented to Charmant selections. Um, the highest quality examples, though, are labeled Method Cap Classique, or MCC. Sparkling wines that are produced using the traditional champagne method. So I thought this was really interesting how they kind of grade their quality of their wines based on the method of production, um, which I, I thought was unlike anything I've ever seen, you know, in some in these other regions that we've been talking about. And the wines that are labeled MCC in South Africa have to have a minimum of 12 months of aging. So not only are you getting a sparkling wine, but you're getting an aged sparkling wine. Um, similar in the way you would with like, you know, the grading scale in France or in Spain for how they age their champagnes and their cabas. Uh, the sparkling wine industry has been regulated 
since 1992 in South Africa, and MCCs can be produced from typical champagne varieties like Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. Um, and I've had my fair share of South African wines over the years, but never a sparkling. So I'm going to have to put this on the list as well. I feel like maybe January we should try and find some of these for episodes. Just saying. Just keep it We were going to take January off. No, we're not. Yes, we were. No. We were going to take it off. Like, of drinking? No. No new episodes in January. We were going to get our shit together and come back with fresh episodes you in February. You think I have my shit together? <laughs> <laughs> I said we. I didn't say you. I said we. Wow. I specifically said we. So there you have it, everyone. A little bit of education about the different types of sparkling wine that you can find from some traditional sort of obvious countries and some new ones to explore. New ones to explore, which I think will be really exciting for us to do in 2024. On this special festive episode, the way we're going to do our tasting segment of the episode is I'm going to give you my take on sort of like how I pick sparkling wines. And then Drea is going to talk about a specific um, sparkler that she's particularly excited about opening for New Year's Eve. Yeah, I feel like that fits our styles. And also, you know... Choosing wines can be daunting, right? We've talked about this a lot on the podcast and it really, there's so many variations that go into what you're going to open up, like who's in your crowd, what the occasion is, what your price point is, um, how you're feeling that day, what the weather is like, is the barometer rising, shit, I don't know, what's going to pour well that day. So yeah, we're going to offer you some different philosophies for how we choose wine and just go for it. Have some yeah. fun with it. So originally, we were each supposed to pick one that we wanted to feature. But I literally was like, I don't know. I don't have like a, a favorite sparkler. I don't have like a strategy. I mean, I do have a strategy. But I don't have, like Dre and I just think very differently about this. So I thought it might be helpful for you to hear kind of how I think about how do I pick a sparkler. So one, I think about the occasion. Is it a brunch where we're making mimosas? Then I'm buying something that you can buy at the grocery store, at Target. You're buying Andre? In the, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> it's still going to be in the about no, 20. It's still going to be good. This it's is... going to be in the 15 to $20 range. So Piper Sonoma is a great one. Mum, like the regular mum is a great mm, one. Yeah. The mum rosé is a good one, not for mimosas, but like for a sort of, you know, good quality, not super expensive. Brunchy, like crowd pleaser. Yeah. yeah. So that's, if I'm going to a brunch where there's going to be mimosas being made, I'm not spending a ton of money on something that's going to taste really good because you're putting some juice in it. Um, then I think about if it's a special occasion, like what level of special occasion is it? So is it more like, oh, we just want to celebrate some small milestone. It doesn't have to be a super, super you know expensive or really special bottle. Then I'm going to my local shop, like a clove or a rose, and trying to pick something that's maybe something that no one's ever tried before, like something kind of fun, something different. And then if it's something like New Year's Eve or Christmas or a birthday or celebrating like a really big milestone, like something super important, 
Then I will, um, La Crema is actually one of my like go-to, it's about $50 for the bottle. And they have a, they do a rosé, like a sparkling rosé and it's delicious. It's I really haven't had good. their sparkling rosé, but I do. It's really I good. Do I like think we talked was... about it in the last episode, but that's like one that I would say is on the, for me, that's the pricier side of things that I would spend. And so it'd have to be something pretty, pretty special. And that's not something I'm buying multiple bottles of to open for a bunch of people. It's like more one or two, like one to four people. Yeah, like for maybe two people. For because then you each get two glasses. A nice New Year's Eve toast. Yeah, yeah, for would sure. be good. Yeah, maybe if you just maybe before you throw hot Rob out the window through the window. Yeah, well, why would I share it with him before then? Oh, though? fair. Throw him out I mean, the window. That doesn't make the, sense. And then just invite me. I'm over. literally gonna throw him out the window, <laughs> open that bottle, and drink it by myself. Uh, excuse no, me. No, I'm, I am that bitch. I'm excuse gonna be selfish. Me. I fucking have supported you. I'm through going to be this selfish. Window throwing. Wow. You can get the next wow. level down when I'm done. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay, everyone. Now we know where we stand. Also, I'm a big fan of. So Dre and I and our friend Lauren. Shout out to Lauren who also listens to the podcast. We'll buy stuff occasionally on something called Last Bottle, and if they have a Cremant or they have a Cava. That maybe I've never heard of. I'll usually buy it. Buying six. I'm buying six. The prices are usually good. They're usually under twenty bucks. Yep. And they're worth more than that. And pretty much everything I've ever had from them has been pretty good. In terms so. of sparkling, yeah. And they also have a new website called Last Bubbles. Lastbubbles.com. Yes. And um But their prices have been a little crazy lately. Well, tis the season, you know what I'm saying? Like today was like a four hundred dollar bottle and I was like, <laughs> I'll take a case. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck no. <laughs> Delete that. Dully. <laughs> so anyway, there you have my strategy for picking bubbles because I don't have one a specific one that I that I like to serve for certain occasions. But Drea has something in mind that she wants to talk about today. Yeah. So listen, my go-to is always a cava. I think people know this about me. I prefer an aged one, obviously. Um, I think last year we talked about my love of Gramona, which is a very traditional um, Catalan uh, cellar that is now coming out of the Corpinat, um, new, soon-to-be, like, domain of origin out there. But uh, as I mentioned previously, I was actually just in the Penedes Valley and did uh, had the amazing opportunity to do some great wine tastings. Um, and one of the places I went to was at Mass Bertrand. And they are a small operation. So it's two brothers and they are the sons of a winemaker um, in that area who's been making wine for over 50 years. But they decided that they were gonna do something a little bit different. So they went into business together and they only work with Capelon varietals, which I think is one, really cool, and two, super important to really preserve and maintain the heritage um, of wine growing and viticultural in, in viticulture in that area. A lot of producers now are coming in with, you know, um, everything from like a lot of French varietals, German and Austrian varietals. And it's it's kind of nice to see that commitment to preserving the, the heritage there. So I had the opportunity to visit um, my guide. Her name was Christine. She was phenomenal. I loved her. And um, 
we had a great experience while we were there. And what's cool about them is they make both still and sparkling wines. So the wine that one of the wines that I purchased there and brought back in my little suitcase um, that I am super not excited, an empty suitcase, not an empty suitcase, definitely not super, definitely not super excited to open up is their sparkling sumol. So Sumol is a um, indigenous grape to that region. It is a red grape, so they make a rosé from it. Uh, it is very hard to find even that er in that area. They are pulling their Sumol from vines that are older than 60 years. Um, and it's really kind of one of the ancient indigenous grapes from that area of Catalonia. And so... It was a it was an amazing wine. Like it's pale salmon in color on the nose. You get bright red fruits. Um, the taste is deeper red fruits like currant and plum, herbs, slate, cherry. It was just a delightful, delightful wine. Um, and, you know, it was one of those I feel like when I travel, so one of the things I always do when I travel is 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 drink. This should surprise absolutely no one. Um, but there's always that one bottle that I, I bring back that's super special. And this was it for this trip. So um, I'm really excited to open it up on New Year's. And I don't know, I may just have to pair it with 12 grapes and put my sights on 2024 here. Could you... Throw everybody out the window. Yes. Then open Debbie. it and drink it by yourself. I mean, that's surrounded part. by salty meat. Oh, <laughs> uh, the dream. Yeah, my Dobie, dog. <laughs> like, listen, I'm not even gonna invite myself because I fully would like for you to just enjoy that <laughs> moment. So we lock them out on the deck. Be like, oh, I'm sorry. I don't. I don't know what happened. I, I don't know where the I key can't is. Can't hear you. Can't you close you. the curtains. <laughs> Let those bitches sit out there for a hot Put minute. Put my lights on my Christmas tree. On. Just drink your bottle to yourself and make. Oh, yep. Sorry, that bottle's gone. <laughs> Don't know what happened. She would never, because Drea really does enjoy sharing her collection with people. I do. I want like this bottle is so special and so unique. You have no idea how excited I am to share it with people. Um, so yeah, that's my but. Here's, here's the lesson behind all of that. I always pick bottles that have a story and have a narrative to them. Like for me, wine is so much about narrative and the place that it comes from and the people that it comes from. And I, I can't think of a better way to celebrate a moment like a new year than you know, really encapsulating one of the better moments I had in 2023. So that's kind of the overarching philosophy behind the pick. Whereas Jules is just always just like, I, I fucking know. Like, just pick a bottle. <laughs> just fucking, just, just not a lot of thought behind it you know, sometimes. she's just, she's a poet at heart. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so happy new year, everyone. We hope that 2024 is filled with travel, adventure, good wine, good food, good friends. What do you have to add to that? I mean, nothing. That's literally all I want. Well, That's all I want. So, on that note, cheers. Salud. Tiny bubbles.
running through my head. Wasn't gonna. Oh, yes, I was gonna drink. <laughs> and now I'll go to bed. <laughs> no way, I wanna keep drinking instead. I'm gonna make bubbles. bad decisions with the bubbles in my glass. <laughs>